Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go, 25 before the hour. It's the second hour of the Oakley Show, Thursday afternoon. Oh, look, the sound and the fury with us again. Uh, That's our panel. We do it this time every Thursday afternoon. Anthony Fury from the Sun Papers, the national columnist. How are you doing this afternoon, Anthony? I just cut my own hair, John. (laughs) All right, very good. I'm going to find out exactly why that's relevant in just a moment. Peter Tabbins, the MPP for Toronto Danforth, the NDP's critic for energy and a climate crisis. How are you doing, Mr. Tabbins? He's not there. I can't believe uh, it's got to be a disconnect because there's no way he'd be silent. That's not Tabbins-like. We'll find him in a moment. But, Anthony, on the matter that you cut your own hair, that shows a resourcefulness that might be necessary in these extreme circumstances. You know who else needs their hair cut or shaved? These people fraternizing with the enemy. I'm thinking about those who are going to the spring break parties on uh, South Beach and uh, Padre Island. They're sort of uh, oblivious to the situation at hand right now, but the Florida governor, Rick Scott, has called that off. So, Anthony, let me ask you, I mean, do you believe it might be time to acknowledge and address this fight against the virus as if it's a war, in a sense, that uh, we'd mobilize on all fronts, get the resources to people in need, maybe, uh, you know, retool some of our industry to build ventilators and so on and so forth? Yeah, I absolutely do believe that, because in many senses, we face something of an existential threat. All those projections about 70% of people could get it and how many X millions of people could die across North America, uh, that's not uh, misinformation. That's real, but that's predicated on the fact you do nothing. Now, there is no jurisdiction that is doing absolutely nothing, but if you want to keep reducing, reducing, reducing that number, you get society more and more involved. And, and there is alarming stats that suggest it's not true that it's only the elderly and only those with pre-existing conditions who will not only get this but die from this. So. We need to mobilize everything. We need to uh, pull out all the stops. And frankly, I think that's why China has done a pretty good job of this, because they're actually used to being uh, an authoritarian country. And rather tragically, the people are used to being on the receiving end of that. So we have a lot of adjustment to deal with in this sort of very interesting, very different period from what we've been acclimatized to since, well, since 1945. Yeah, I'll get around to whether or not we should be congratulating the Chinese in short order, but I wanted to welcome Peter Tabbins to the program. Uh, We lost you there technically. Peter, you there? I'm here, John. I could hear you. You gave me a wonderful welcome. And I was really disappointed you couldn't hear my friendly and warm response. (laughs) It was almost undeserving because you didn't reply, but uh, to the point... That we were asking Anthony about, I mean, a war footing in uh, in effect and, uh, you know, where you've got frontline health care workers asking for materiel to be, uh, you know, it's almost like sending people into, you know, the front lines without proper ammunition, uh, training and all around. I mean, do we need to uh, approach it in such a way, refocus uh, as if we are fighting a war and the enemy is the virus? I, I think it's a useful analogy, as a matter of fact, uh, because... There are people who will die from this virus. There are healthcare workers who are risking their lives. Uh, and the consequences of not getting this right are huge in terms of people's lives and in terms of our economy. So 
we do need uh, an all-hands-on-deck response to this. Without a doubt, I think you, you've nailed it. Well, if it comes to it, and it has in certain places like in Europe, in Italy, in Madrid and Spain, uh, two hotbeds of this scourge, uh, they've affected curfews. If it does come to that, could you see something along those lines? Would you uh, be willing to accept that? Well, I, I think we're going to have to listen to what public health authorities have to say. And if they say that you have to have a very high level of social isolation in order to, to curb this, then I think most people would accept that. I, I would. Um, I'm not sure we're there right now, but we may well get there. Certainly that's what happened in China. I think it's happening in Italy. Uh, and I understand in parts of California right now, they've uh, brought in what they call a lockdown with very few people leaving their homes other than for emergency measures. So when you're in a situation where you've got potential for tens of thousands of people uh, to get sick and lose their lives, uh, you're going to have to act in a way that's outside the ordinary. And let's face it, John, this is outside the ordinary for us. There's no question. You know, and uh, whereas before it had been seen as maybe uh, a disease that only claims the elderly and the average age being 80, to Anthony's point earlier, the Centers for Disease Control say now that 40 percent in the states, uh, roughly of the uh, fatalities or the uh, the disease uh, deceased are 20 to 49 in that demographic, 20 to 49. That's an arresting stat. That ought to get their attention. Right, Anthony? Yeah, absolutely. That's the hospitalization figure, not necessarily the ICU figure, but that's what's going to uh, get you on the breathing mask there in the hospital. And a lot of young people are feeling blindsided by it. And, and, you know, last week we were talking about this. I was writing about this and I was making analogies to the Spanish flu. And a lot of people attack me for that. Say, oh, you know, don't be alarmist and so forth. We don't know really what this is and what we're dealing with. And it's kind of troubling to see young people get so targeted now because the Spanish flu only hit old people in the first phase. And then there was a mutation in the fall. And that's when it became uh, the killer of, of, of the people in their prime, we still don't know. There are 101 questions that are not uh, being answered right now just because, you know, the experts, it takes time for them to uh, to ply their craft with all of this, to get the scientists getting the figures. So it, it needs to be a wake-up call uh, for everyone. Eileen Davila and, and the people on the provincial level, they're saying, don't have your friend over for coffee. Don't have the kids uh, going for playdates, which, I mean, that's tough for me because I had some kids knocking on the door and I had to tell them to go home. And my kids are saying, well, why can't we play with them? It's it's sacrifice. Yeah, Eileen Davila earlier today, as of 1 o'clock, said there's 128 cases of COVID-19 in Toronto, 11 people currently hospitalized. Ontario's now seen uh, a total of 257 cases, 43 new cases in the last 24 hours. Our second death in Ontario, a man in his 50s from Milton, uh, was put in the hospital in Oakville March 11th, and uh, that's due to local transmission too, which is kind of uh, crossing the Rubicon. This is where, uh, whereas most of the cases prior to this had been travel-related, community spread, and especially when it's asymptomatic in a lot of cases. So, uh, Peter, I mean, testing asymptomatic people, I know right now we don't have the wherewithal, and they're saying to prioritize only people showing symptoms, but don't you think there's maybe uh, a great calling, too, for increasing testing so asymptomatic people would know for the sake of clarity, transparency, and uh, then we know who to treat and who not to treat? Well, no one's going to get treatment unless they get a test that shows that they've got the the virus. Uh, When you listen to public health officials, what they're saying is everyone needs to take the same measures to protect themselves, the social isolation, uh, the distancing, uh, the not socializing. Uh, and all of us need to be doing that. It doesn't matter whether we're symptomatic or asymptomatic, we have to be doing that. Uh, 
but what they're saying as well is everyone who needs a test should get a test. Uh, and I, I would say, John, if we all act as if there's a potential for transmission, uh, then that's probably the smartest thing we can do. I think it's a good thing that the, uh, the federal government is making more test kits available to Ontario. That got announced this afternoon. I'm very pleased with that. Uh, but again, public health officials are going to make recommendations based on the the most efficient allocation of their resources. And if they think that the most efficient allocation is everyone who needs one should get one, that's where I'm going to be going to. Yeah, what did you make? Were you in that emergency session of the legislature today? Yes, I was. Okay, so 26 people and uh, or members, and they all voted unanimously to pass these two pieces of legislation that the Ford government brought forward, including the Employment Standards Amendment Act, which yeah. protects vulnerable people. And you can't lose your job because, I mean, it covers off for job insecurity, right? Well, it, it does. It doesn't cover off for income insecurity. And that, uh, and Anthony, I'm curious as to your thinking as well. I think that's becoming really a huge issue. I, I'm, I'm talking to my constituents. I'm phoning them to get their opinion, and I'm getting their emails. And an awful lot of people are just in a situation now where their jobs have ended or their contracts were canceled uh, or, you know, they're running a a small one-person business. They're selling. They've got a small store and they've got no customers coming in. Uh, This income insecurity is getting to be huge. And this is something we're really going to have to wrestle with. It's a a two-part problem, John, obviously. Uh, The health being the top issue. Want to make sure people don't get sick. Want to make sure people aren't risking dying. Um, but boy, they have to be able to pay their rent or their mortgage. They have to be able to put food on the table. And we have to address that one. All right. Well, as you say, you're curious to see what Anthony has to say on that matter. And uh, as am I, and uh, we'll get your take too, Peter. I mean, insofar as income insecurity is concerned, there have been uh, other things that have been proffered. The government uh, said they would step up with some kind of assistance yesterday. This is the feds. Uh, yep. We'll see Well, we'll get the response from Anthony Fury. Peter Tabbins along with the sound and the fury continues in a moment on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.